0: We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message.
1: Uh, Today's topic is talking about um, Apostle Paul's defense of his apostleship. Paul's defense of his apostleship. Now, last week, we we have looked at uh, part one of this uh, topic. Then today we're looking at part part two. Last week, we looked at the topic that says, Paul defends of his apostleship. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, explained his ministry and the works he did among them. Basically, This was not the type of uh, Apostle Paul, but there are certain reasons why he has to do this. Now, he knew he was writing to a divided church. That that church that was at that particular point in time, they were resisting his uh, authority as a church that was being uh, seduced by teachers. They were being deceived by Judaizers. So Paul needed to write them at this particular point in time. He needed to defend those things, those Greeks, those works, God has actually used him to do among the Corinthians. Now, at first, he explained his ministry so that they would no longer doubt his sincerity he had to explain in detail, his ministry. He stressed this by reminding them of his life, of his ministry, and how he put Jesus Christ at the center of it all. If I remember very well, Apostle Paul was a persecutor. He was persecuting the church before God arrested him. So you need to remind them of his life, of his ministry, and you need to remind them of the grace God has bestowed upon him as a minister of Christ. But in all, Apostle Paul was put in Jesus Christ at the center of his message to them. Now, finally, we saw some steps He took in the form of defense to correct the misunderstandings that existed in the minds of the people with reference to his work. So he took some steps, bolder steps, and by the grace of God, want to launch ourselves further into some additional steps that Paul took to actually explain himself about his uh, ministry. And I pray as you join in this course of this uh, lecture,
2: the Lord
1: bless us and give us a proper understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now let's look at the introduction part of this uh, topic. Now, Paul defends of his Apostleship, I quickly went into dictionary to look at what do you understand by an apostle or who is an apostle and I got an answer. An apostle is one who has a call to plant and oversee churches as variable church plants, and spiritual sons in the ministry, who is recognized by other apostles and meet the biblical qualifications of an elder. More importantly, they were called by Jesus to help organize the church and spread the message of his teachings. Huh. Now, this was the position of Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was called to be an Apostle. He established churches, not one, not two, not today. And as he was establishing these churches, he was giving them the correct message. And what was the message? It was the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Apostle Paul has done so much work in all the churches he has planted. So, Automatically, he was to be called an apostle. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, like Apostle Paul, the essence of the topic is this. Like Apostle Paul, uh, like a minister of the world, like a pastor, evangelist, how will you go about convincing people in your congregation? that you really love them. That was a problem faced by Apostle Paul because he has sown a seed and this has dominated over a very long time. And because of certain issues, a lot of problem, problem came into the midst of all these churches. And Apostle Paul need to explain back today Is love for them. How will will he convince people that he actually love them? Now, by the time we go further, this is a question I don't want us to answer now. By the time we go further into the course of the lecture, we're going to have an understanding why this question came into being. Next next slide. Apostle Paul was confronted with two problems with Corinthians. Number one, if he reminded the people of the work he did among them, they would say Paul is bragging. That was initial problem Paul was having with Corinthians. If he began to mention he has done this, he has been able to do this, he has established this, they would say Paul was a bragging. That was the reason for that question that how will he convince people that he actually loved them? But if you begin to talk about what he has done, people will be talking about bragging. Number two, if, if, if he says nothing and he kept quiet and he allow everything to lie low, they will say, we, we have told you, Apostle Paul didn't do anything, he didn't accomplish anything in the Corinthians, he was just lying. So these two problems, and support it to address this problem so that it, 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 it will not just be on the other side or, or the other side. They wouldn't say he was bragging. At the same time, they will not see him as somebody who didn't do anything. He actually confessed those things he has done among them which was a boasting in the Lord. He's not a worldly boasting as we see today. So, Apostle actually addressed these problems with the help of the Holy Spirit. The next slide. Now, to answer the question, we want to consider the teaching under the following headings. Number one, Paul's jealousy over the church we can find out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse one to six, and verse 13 to 15. Number two, Paul's generosity to the church. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse seven to 12. And the third one is Paul's anxiety for the church. So by the time we do diligence to this uh, three point, we should be able to answer or address Some of the problems that face Apostle Paul in Corinth. So, number one, Paul, you can pause or you can stop me along the line for any question or if you have a contribution to put. Paul's jealousy over the church. There's a Bible passage I want us to quickly run through, then I will go through the lecture note under. First Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians rather, chapter eleven, verse one to six, then thirteen to fifteen. I hope you put up with me in a little foolishness. Oh. I'm using the NIV. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to to one husband, to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve were deceived by the serpent pony, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Verse four, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily. True. The next slide, sir. Verse five I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained. As a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Verse 13 to 15 For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if a servant also masquerade a servant of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Paul's jealousy over the church. I want to be mindful of the time. To be jealous is worth feeling or showing a resentful suspicion. That one's partner is attracted to or involved with someone X. I quickly borrow that definition so that we note the importance or the essence of the action took by Apostle Paul. This was the position of Apostle Paul, or this was position he was with the Corinthians. He had a true love for them and from verse 2 of the text that was actually, that, that we read, actually confirmed it. Verse 2 of that, list, verse 2. Verse 2. He say, I am jealous for you with a godly jealous. Can you say, I am jealous for you with a godly jealous. It means that we are jealous we can say godly jealous Jealousy means with a passion because Apostle Paul actually labored with these people. So for him to have said, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealous, it carries weight. So, uh, slide please. So what Apostle Paul was saying was that he has a true love for them. And from that verse 2, we can actually confirm that it was actually a true love. That was the conversion of Apostle Paul. Although true love is never envious, quite alright, we know. But it has a right to be jealous over those who are loved. Because he has, he has sown his, his seeds and he was petting that seed to jabinate. But he was seeing another thing going on in the church. There is no, it it won't be happy. So we're going to look at examples how Apostle Paul demonstrated his jealousy over the church. Number one example is between a a, a man and a woman. Uh, No man would like to see uh, a rivalry or somebody competing with uh, with him and the wife. So, the man will be so furious about it. Number two, an example he used in that passage is uh, when you have a, a true patriot, that is, you have the right to be jealous over your freedom, especially when you know your right and somebody is trying to deny you of that right, you need to fight for it. Then, number three, uh, like a father and a mother relationship, like our father our mother, they are being jealous over us. Sometimes when we, when we leave our ward to go out, our children, when, when we, we'll be checking time for them. Not because we don't want anything to actually happen to them. Some of us, when the church, we're in the PTA meeting, we find ourselves anywhere, we'll be looking back. Sometimes I sit in the church, and say, My wife, why is the first son? Why is I'll just, just to make sure that they are okay wherever they are. This was the relationship Apostle Paul was thinking would be order of the day with the Corinthians. So, Apostle Paul truly was not happy as a person. And in I gave a summary that, that, that I can call it the fourth example, a summary, the one that everybody needs to respect. And I said, okay. For example, a man, you want to give your daughter in marriage, a daughter engaged to be married. You need to nurture that daughter. You need to to keep, she keep herself, so that eventually if if he's married to her husband, the husband will be happy that you actually took care of your daughter. So this was the position of apostle Paul with the Corinthians. So, if you look at all these examples, almost four examples, they are enough for somebody to have a, uh, to be jealous over what he has. So, what is what does that mean uh, spiritually? In a spiritual form, it means that that church we are looking at at the Corinth or our local church in our old world today. When we talk about church, we're talking about a bride. And we're talking about somebody who prepared for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we all know that at the end of everything, there will still be a marriage later. So, Apostle Paul saw this local church as a bride engaged to be married to Jesus Christ. So the marriage will not take place now until Jesus Christ comes. So what happens in between is what Apostle Paul was trying to guide against. We want them to remain faithful. We want them to keep themselves. Likewise, we as a church we must keep ourselves pure, preparing ourselves for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are the enough reasons for Apostle Paul to be jealous over the church. Next slide, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, something happened within, within the church of the uh, Corinth. The unfaithfulness of the Corinthians could be likened to a bride who is not faithful to the husband, which I've explained. If he shared herself with any other man, she is guilty of what unfaithfulness. So, what we're trying to say is that in verse thirty of, of that, uh, of that uh, chapter 11, chapter Corinthians chapter eleven, verse thirty, he's saying he's talking about sincerity. He's talking about simplicity. That simplicity in Jesus Christ should not allow us to do certain things that are worldly, uh, uh, that are not uh, worldly, that are worldly. The fact that we've been given the message with the simplicity of that message, we should be very, very careful. We should not have a divided heart that can lead towards a defied life and a destroyed relationship. Apostle Paul, he wanted them to maintain the relationship they have to Christ. Unfortunately, uh, the opposite was the order of the day. Now, we want to look at their unfaithfulness. What could have been responsible for this unfaithfulness? What could have been the factor responsible? Number one, Satan. We look at the work of Satan. Um, Satan was seen uh, 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 with Apostle Peter 8. He was the accuser of the burden. He was the adversary. It's like somebody who has enjoyed being with God and it was being driven to the heart. He would do everything possible to make sure that nobody gained that heaven. So we cannot rule out the fact that the same thing when God designed a world for a man, he put a man in the Garden of Eden. Satan penetrated to, to the extent that he deceived our. Uh, Eve, against the plan of God for human race. So the same thing, Apostle Paul has sown a good seed into the ark out of the Corinthians. For Satan one way or the other? The same way he deceived uh, my, our mother Eve. The same way he crept into the what into the midst of the Corinthians and also deceived them. So Paul was giving a warning to them of the activities of what Satan, that they should be aware. There are so many ways Satan can, can come in. He can body the heart of a believer. He can body the conscience of a believer. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, what that place is simply saying is that, you know, unforgiveness, that is, we should learn how to forgive that a Christian that is full of unforgiveness, that is will be an attitude of what, of Satan. And when you you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're going to have a bitterness in your heart. And when you pray, that prayer will not be answered. So Satan can burden the conscience of a believer not to forgive. He can blind the minds of unbelievers I've seen cases, cases of unbelievers. They are good, naturally. But what is missing in their life is what Jesus. So for them to accept Christ, Satan will, be what? will blind their minds. He also made a conversion. Satan will not be able, will not allow them to, be. it will blind, when you say you blind the heart of somebody, you, you make it total darkness. Satan can beguide the minds of believers. So he can also watch the believers. He can watch, he can beguide the minds of a believer. And lastly, he can also buffet the voices of God's ministers. Look at Apostle Paul. He was a man of great faith. He was having a thorn in his flesh. He was praying to God, God, I wish this tongue would not be part of me the tongue was still dead. God said, no, my grace is, was sufficient for you. Likewise, Satan can torment a, a, a minister of God with so many things, with sickness, with fallacy and so many things. But as Christians, we need to take our stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the instrument you by Satan The cause of faithfulness among the Corinthians believers are also the preachers of the false gospel. The work of Satan, we have explained that one. That one is separate. Actually, uh, Satan also used what the Judaizers. The, The Judaizers, they preach false gospels. Everything Apostle Paul, everything Apostle Paul has done they turn it upside down you understand their activities was so terrible amaze the corinthians No, you know they, disc- they we describe them they claim to have a divine authority as god servant but their authority was what bogus was fake the authority they claim they have was fake they are just they're dece- deceiving people. If you look at verse 13 to verse 15, the activities were described. The next one is that uh, the true servants of God were all impostors. Look at that statement. They even said Apostle Paul was also an, uh, an impostor. People that actually burden people with a, with several load. They, they bully the, li- the life of the Christians. They are imposters, they are things on people. They, o- they also call themselves super apostles. They are even saying that they are even more than Apostle Paul, you know, category. All we know is that we have apostles, but they, they went above that and said they are what? They are super apostles. So they deserve, what they want is higher level at any point in time. So these are the people that crept into the midst of the Corinthians and they actually deceived the people. They even said that Paul was a poor speaker. Look at that statement. In Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse six, then chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 10. You know what why they were saying is that Paul was good in writing. You look at the, the way Paul used to write they look at those uh, compositions, how God has actually, uh, 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 Apostle Paul, but they were saying He was a good writer, but when it comes to speaking, when it comes to uh, oratory, you know, they, they have, have sugar-coated their mouth. So they said Apostle Paul was weak in terms of what, what was a, a poor speaker because he wasn't like one of them. They deceive people a lot. You understand? Why they mesmerize the ignorant one. You know, when they, when they say mesmerize the ignorant one is that they capture the art of the people. Imagine these people are in the church of God. They they crept into the church and they capture the art. People that Apostle Paul have actually nurtured to that level. They brought in their messages. They brought the vision into the church. You know, sin came in, and so many came in, and that, those ones could not make our up, up support to the world to be, to be happy. Praise the Lord.
3: Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. So Paul proved his love for the church by protecting it from the attacks of the first teachers, from the Juda- uh, Judaizers, and yet, the member of the church fell for the Judaizers and let them come in. The Corinthians had left their first love and were no longer given single hearted devotion to Jesus Christ. What it makes. It was not only that they are turned against Paul, look at that one on the line, but they are turned away from Christ and that was far more serious. Apostle Paul was not even fighting for himself, but you know, they, they turned away from Apostle Paul, they turned against against him. And eventually, they also turned away from our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning from those teachings Apostle Paul has given to them. So we see that Apostle Paul needs to, work, to talk to these people you need to be jealous about them. Ah, these are the people that I I nurture with a passion. Look at what happened to them. So mm-hmm. these are what apostle Paul now came to do. He now begin to explain to them gradually, work of the Satan, the work of the Judaizers, the false teachers, what they actually sowed in, into their life, and those are the things we begin to see. They left their first uh, their first love, and this was a, a very bitter in the in the art of uh, apostle Paul. Praise oh. the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to ask this question. What are some ways Satan attacks believers? What are some ways Satan attacks believers? In the line of what we have learned so far today, what are some ways Satan attacks believers? I want a contribution from or the cortex, what are some wigs? Apart from the one that we have listed for us, what are some ways Satan also attacked believers? What are some wigs?
2: Uh, I think uh, Sister Lioness put a hand up. Sister Lioness, over to you. Sister no. Okay, maybe the other one.
1: What are some wigs, Satan attacks believers?
4: Just to unmute yourself if you would like to
0: make a contribution, and we'll go for it. And um, Praise God, it might attack our faith sometimes, and make, make us feel as though we're imposters, especially where we have some weaknesses we're still dealing with. So we, we know we have faith, and when we profess the power, he will then attack the fact that uh, you, you can also ask for this when you just did X, X, X Y, and Z just now. So he, he does that. He uses our human weakness to guilt us into thinking we are not powerful enough to claim the promises of God. Thank
1: you, ma. I, Another I contribution? My Another contribution?
3: Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. All right, okay.
2: Okay. God, I had a good hand,
3: Another way he attacks us is by making us to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So when like when um, in, a, in a gathering uh, he, he, he makes us to be ashamed that is we don't we don't sort of try to identify with Christ. We see somebody oh. who is uh, who, who in the congregation is preaching the Word of God. Instead of us to, to, to support him, to say something nice about him, we, we team up with others to ridicule him and so on. Makes us to be ashamed of the gospel <clears throat> of Christ. That's, that's one. Hello.
1: Pastor?
3: That's the way he attacks us Praise God.
2: Hallelujah. One of the ways uh, that I want us to think is that fear, fear, he wants to create fear and panic in people. And also Satan actually come craftily by making people question truths. To make me that was what he did. That was what Apostle Paul was saying there in the garden of Eden. Now, Adam and Eve believed the truth of the word of God until Satan came. They believed what God told them until Satan came and start questioning that truth.
3: Then,
2: as the question keep going, keep going, and keep going, they doubt fear comes in is that something God is uh, and that's sorry to say that's the ways uh, you know lawyers do if, if you think you know the truth it just was the question question you even what you know you just did i you know this thing that's why you see some people uh, can ask questions is that well it maybe actually there's some other ways to Christ apart from i mean to to, to have apart from true Christ it's just that question just keep coming whereas it's been categorically stated in the Bible so that's one way I want to say, and that was what, what, what happened in the, in the Garden of Eden. So the people always say that it doesn't matter. Once you keep, if you keep telling lies so much, so many times, then over time it becomes, in the eyes of people, it appears as if it is truth, but nothing can be done against the truth. Amen. Thank you, sir. Uh, two
4: contributions in the comments in the chat thread. One is from Brother I is saying that he attacks us through our fleshy desires weaknesses you could say and from the uh, he attacks us through deception and then from brother Richard he attacks us from our thoughts as chapter 10 did mention.
3: thank you
1: yeah let's, let's let's go on to the next slide. Sir. now we We are still on the topic, poor defense of his apostleship. And we have looked at number one defense is is jealousy over the church of God. And we have looked at some examples on that. Now, what look at, you also want to defend his uh, apostleship through his generosity to the church. Through his generosity to the church. Let's look at the Second f- Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 7 to 12. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed, I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you, I needed something. I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and will continue to do so. As surely, as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Akai will stop the boasting of my Eleven. Why? Because I did not, because I did not love you. God knows I did, and I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. Praise the Lord. So,
4: uh,
2: mommy. Mamu- Praise God. Yes. Uh, Hello. Uh, Hello. Yeah. ask a question?
0: Sorry, okay. sir. Sorry to take you back. I, I, was, I was waiting for you to touch on the, on the part that I read that I wasn't really sure of. You know, okay. in chapter three, where, where he said, where he compared the story of Eve, then he said, so that your mind should be corrupted with, from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay. <laughs> is, is he trying to say that what happened to he, Eve like I can't, I can't place the correlation. Correlation, if that makes sense, sir.
1: Praise the Lord. Thank um, you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think we can read the, the Bible verse for. Sorry. Yeah, but I'm afraid. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. Serpent corny, your mind may somehow be left away from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Then let's go to where we have that statement. Okay. All right. The word translated simplicity in Second Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 3 means sincerity and singleness of devotion. Um, if I may put it right, simplicity in this context means the, the preaching about Jesus Christ, the way I look at it, it's a simple message. Yes, you no, know, I've given an analogy that it's just some non-believers. In, in our amplification, they are good. But what is missing in their life is Jesus Christ. And when we, when we talk about simplicity means uh, sincerity, we give Christ to you, you accept Christ, and that is it. But these people have actually accepted Christ. That is, you the, the, the way I look at it, that is simplicity in the, in the message. But along the line, they allow divided of art to come in again by maybe the de- deceit from the Satan or by the de- deceit from the uh, Judaizers. And when those things came, that simplicity in them was turned, was divided and they gave their heart away from the preaching of the gospel of Christ to to the deceit of the, of the Judaizers. That's where okay. I look at. I can actually explain the word simplicity. I don't know if my pastor can actually...
4: If I can add to, to, just a thought to that, I mean the NIV that you even read in the that we quoted in the bulk of the text did not use the word simplicity, but the KJV that um, the version that is is using as it. But the point is, is using that to basically explicate on the point he has just finished m- mentioning in verse two, which is about the fact that they are becoming unfaithful, as mm-hmm. the, using the picture of. They are becoming, they are falling in love with something else and someone else and another kind of message. Whereas there is a simplicity in Christ, simplicity in the sense that one, the message is simple, yes, but also simplicity in the sense that it's a singleness of devotion. You don't have any other option. If if you receive the gospel, you receive it in a way that you say, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. It's a simple message. It's a one way in the manner of speaking. It's not this way today, that way tomorrow. That's what that word, simplicity, which could be confusing in the KJV, actually simply means it's just singleness of devotion to say it in Christ, there is that focus. That's, it's all about him for him is all for me. I am yours, you're mine. And we are going to go like that on together. And that's the same thing with Adam and Eve. They had just one, of all the things that Adam and Eve could have done wrong, there's only one thing they could do wrong. And that was to eat from that fruit, fruits, every other thing they have liberty to do. In fact, as of that time, if Adam were to do something that today we will call sin to his wife or to any of the animals or whatever, it wouldn't be wrong because there was no law. There was only one single instruction, just one and do anything but this particular tree in the center of the garden, don't eat of its fruit. That's as simple as it can get. Yeah. Over 700 injunctions that would eventually come between Genesis and Deuteronomy. It was only one law. It's the same thing with the gospel that we have. Just believe. Not 17 things, just one. Just believe. And once you believe and receive that gospel, you are in it and you are eternally secured in that salvation as you keep holding on
2: to the one that holds on to you. Praise God.
4: Hallelujah. Uh,
2: right. Uh, I just want to, yeah, thank you very much. Pastor. I just want to confirm everything we're saying uh, with the word of God. In, in Romans 10, I was looking for where the Bible actually portrays uh, it. In Romans 10 from uh, verse 6, it said, he said, it reads here and I quote, it but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. It says, say not in your heart, which shall descend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from heaven, or which shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what seeth thou? The word is I, the word is even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach. And this is the word of it. If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel. So there's no other addition, you know, like Pastor says, seven steps to this, this step to that, that step to that, and all of that. The simplicity of the gospel is from the heart you confess from the heart, you mean it from your heart, and wants to do that. You are saved This is a simple. That's the simplicity of the gospel.
5: Um, please just to follow up on what Pastor um um uh, Pastor Ola said. Um, again, Galatians chapter five verse fourteen was also talking about oh, the shit. fact that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping just one command. So it's like everything has been put together. Just to simplify everything and make everything you know in one in, in just in one sentence to say okay all of this is to you know just to simplify stuff so it's just the simplicity area is what i'm trying to uh, buttress just to support
0: what pastor has said thank you yeah thank you. Uh, uh
2: praise god I think that answers the question, The other question I wanted to ask us is, I know we talk about uh deception. The question I want us to quickly talk about in a, in a few minutes uh, uh, is how can we guide against deception? Is,
0: is it from coming from us or from other people's
2: natural? uh, uh, Yeah, what I mean is I know we talk about deception, how Satan can be so subtle and how he can come in uh, as an apostle of light, we see what the super apostles are doing, they are orators, they have the word, they have wisdoms, and they have everything. So and we also mentioned how can Satan, you know, sometimes the way in which he tries to deceive people. I did mention a few things to catch people's attention. Eh, Satan doesn't come the way they show it on the on the home video, in dark clothes and ooh, and everybody's scared. No, it doesn't come like that. It's a lot more subtle like that. It's a very fine, gentle, and it comes in with deception. So the question is. So that as a takeaway question is, how can we as Christians protect ourselves against deception? Can we um, give practical steps?
5: Um, I was just going to, I was just thinking about this scriptures just whilst we're talking about that. Um, is in the book of 2 Corinthians, I think chapter 13, verse five, which says, examine yourself. So I think it's a constant examination to To and asking the Lord to examine us as well, just as what the Bible has said in the book of Psalm, and then this two Corinthians chapter thirteen verse five is is saying that we should examine, test ourselves, um, um, whether we are still in faith, whether there is no deception in us, you know, um, and I think that is done by a constant relationship with. Um, in the place of prayer, in the place of the word. Now, the word of God is true. So that will, there's no deception in the word of God. So if there's no deception there, that means the word of God will, say for instance, there's a deception in us. The word of God is like a mirror. So whenever we look into that law of light constantly, we will see if there's anything there, you know? So I think it's still, so two things: constant studying of the Word of God, um, prayers, and then you know just constantly examining yourself if what is in your heart, and asking the Lord to examine your heart if there's any deception there, you know, and then constant purging. Now, purging means cleansing yourself. Constant cleansing. It says if a man purges himself from these things. It will be a vessel on Toronto. honor. It will be ready for the master's use at any time. Mm. You know, that means there's nothing on the inside of us. There's constant um, cleansing of our heart. Mm. So if something is, if if the room is clear, if the room is clean, if there's any debt that is coming in there, you will see it immediately. As opposed to if the room is very dirty, if there's any dirt that gets, gets in there, you won't be able to notice it.
2: Praise God. No. Mm. Thank you very much. I think we have some comments here. Establish a deeper relationship with the Father through prayer and the Word of God. To so always ask if every stage comes from God, because Satan's prosperity and direction adds sorrow. So I don't know if anyone wants to. say. I think yeah, I agree with everything that. Right? Now, pastor, let yes, me
1: uh, Before you say, let me yes. give. A, let me also contribute. Yes, sir. I think. Um, as Christians, that's why uh, this lecture, Bible study, they, they, are, they are for us. They are meant to enrich our souls. Mm, yes. We should go from baby Christians to maturity. Mm. You no, know, there are certain things that will happen to you before you even remember the Word of God. You would have taken such a decision. This when we now go back to the word of God, ah, you have made a mistake. I have a practical example. One day I, I was constructing just a small apartment in Nigeria. Then I was doing, I've done the roofing just for me to do some electrical work. I just got a friend just called me. He said, ah, now that I want to do electrical work, I'll give an electrician what it will do is that there are some cable we are going to pass. They will not have effect on the, all those AC I want to use in the house, or the refrigerator. They will go directly to the pole. They will not go into the meter, meaning that you'll be paying less in what? In electricity. Mm. So he showed that idea to me. And quickly, I was seeing it as a good idea. But within my heart, my heart condemned it. And I went to prayer. Lo and behold, while I was doing in my devotion the following morning by Pastor Adeboye, that was the message the man put in the body of the central message. That some people, when they are building their house, they want to scale the electricity, they will do the, the same message just came to me. The truth is this, I will tell you the truth. If I've not received that message from, uh, from that uh, devotion, I will still not do it, because I know that it was wrong. Because the message can cut up with someone later by the, you know, the authority and whatsoever. So what I'm just trying to say is that, that was saying, we should allow, by the time we are matured, we go to maturity stage, just with the word of God, that guide us, there are certain things that we should not even venture into it. Praise God.
2: Praise God. Thank you very much. I think uh, as we round up, uh, uh, since everyone to to also contribute, well, I really like what you said, but what I want to also add to that is this, we got to be, all those things are also very good, but we got to be very proactive Proactiveness, we know that studying the word of God is there. We know that uh, prayer is there, but we have to do those things ahead before the challenges come. And part of being proactive is taking time off work, taking time off your normal schedule to attend prayer meetings, to attend Bible studies, because that way you are keeping yourself. Because this temptation will not warn you before they come, and you cannot give what you don't have. It is what you have from the depth of what you have. So, this, that's the, so many things you'll see that as we go through this Bible study, you will see so many changes are coming through. People that, that like, like when we talked about two weeks ago about uh, Bled Dodgers, people that the, suddenly so start remembering that uh, this is not acceptable. People start becoming generous. People start so many things coming up and we are all adjusting and looking at the mirror, which is Christ, and I just think that, for, for instance, say, take it to yourself, to doctrine. Say, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those around you. Uh, mommy Berry.
5: Praise the Lord.
3: Hallelujah.
5: What I just want to add to what we have said is that what I say to myself always is this question. I will ask myself, "In what I'm going to do at that particular time, if it comes to light, will I be proud of it? That's the question I always ask myself before I I do anything. So that helps me to
1: take the right decision. Praise God. Yeah, no, 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 yeah.